but Walker, I wanted to have you on because you've been very, very um, just clear, despite it getting a lot of pushback that school should not reopen right now. Uh, frankly, we should have a lockdown in this country. Maybe not exactly the same as New Zealand, but very severe uh, that we're heading towards uh, a place where today it's Delta, but it's going to mutate and mutate if we don't stop the spread radically. And you've challenged uh, people who, in my view, are pushing false equivalencies, um, red herrings, comparing coronavirus deaths as no more significant than car accident deaths annually and all these things. So I wanted to ask you uh, what, just big picture, what are you seeing that may, many others uh, that we might think have done some good journalism aren't seeing? Yeah, I've, I've talked to a number of epidemiologists at this point, and all the news that I'm hearing is just bleak. Uh, the The biggest issues that, that they have um, are we have this individualistic approach to this pandemic, right? Like the federal government has basically taken a hands-off approach and said, states, you're in charge of the, you know, mitigation that's on you. And uh, the private sector, like, will incentivize you to do sort of the right thing and hope that that works. And that strategy just hasn't worked. I mean, that's, and it's typical, like, it's a neo, that is a neoliberal strategy, right? Like, the federal government doesn't really have a role. Leave it to the states. Leave it to the private sector. That's neoliberalism in a nutshell. Um, and 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 oh, and public private partnerships are are a big part of that as well. And that's also a part of the COVID response. Like a lot of the vaccination efforts now have been turned over to private firms. The Washington Post had that story. So essentially, the the found the foundational argument that I make, and I think that a, a lot of people. Um, not just me, but uh, you know, a lot of sort of folks who are conscious of what's happening are, are making is that this virus, as it spreads, it mutates. And so the more spread you have, the more chance it has to mutate. Who knows if Delta is going to be the worst we see or if Delta is, you know, just the beginning of something. Like if we let this thing spread, we're taking a gamble and uh, also killing people. That's That's the other side of it. So I'd like to see the federal government pay people to, to stay home, uh, close all non-essential businesses, give essential workers hazard pay, allow them, you know, give them in addition to the money that they, they'd be getting. You don't have to go to work if, if you don't, if you're not comfortable. Like that's, we need a coordinated federal response. Supplies delivered to every household, masks, you know, door-to-door -door vaccinations, like that sort of that sort of response. And there is a, a resistance to that just sort of viscerally among uh, a lot of people in the U.S. right now, because even people on the left, because you, you have this culture that's it's very individualistic. For the last 40 years, the dominant political culture has been neoliberal. Uh, any sort of government action is seen sort of uh, as overreach. And that's that's a real issue. I mean, these the folks who are like up in arms and saying no more lockdowns, like they'd freak the hell out if, if they were around during the FDR times. You know, we, we passed a law during the Great Depression that limited how much farmers could grow, like how much how much how crops they could grow on their own property. Can you imagine that today? 
like, no, you can't tell me how much it's like, but we're in a national crisis, right? Like that was the great depression was a national crisis. We had to stabilize the economy. So you have the agricultural adjustment act today. We have a national crisis. It's killed 600 plus thousand, maybe a million people, depending on whose number. I mean, we're massively undercounting. That's general consensus among the healthcare field. So a million dead Americans, maybe 900,000. So yeah, that's, that's sort of where I'm at. I view it as a, it really is a revealing moment about what you think the role of government needs to be. And, you, and I just, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, if you think that government needs to take a more active role in society, needs to do things like provide health care for everybody, needs to, do, you know, that, that sort of mentality uh, fundamentally is not, is, at, is at odds with the anti-lockdown sentiment in my mind. Right. I think there's two things I want to get your thoughts on. And I think people need to step back for a second from whatever their fixed position is, not just on COVID, but a lot of things in America. And number one, you need to realize right now in Florida, Louis I mean, besides this disastrous hurricane in Louisiana, and we're thinking about uh, people suffering with that. Uh, I just spoke with someone who says their power is probably going to be out for three weeks. Um, Florida, Louisiana, Arkansas, Alabama, Georgia. So, so this southern region, right now, pediatric hospital beds are filling up. Like children's hospital beds are filling up. Right now, you're seeing more stories about people without COVID, without COVID, uh, whatever, it be heart attacks, um, other health issues, some urgent, some not, that cannot get hospital beds, cannot get treated. Uh, I don't know the data, but we'll find out how many people died unrelated to COVID that could not get access. Yeah, car In this accident case, victims. Right. In this case, literal access. I hate the word access in healthcare, but access to a bed. Uh, right now, you have schools reopening. And I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but with Glenn Greenwald and a lot of other people maybe don't realize, because full disclosure, I'm not a parent. I don't, Walker's not a parent yet. So for certain things, of course, we don't want to presume what having a child is like or the damage to children with COVID. But you also shouldn't presume that you know the long-term effects to children of COVID. I'm not talking about- Well, let's throw us- I'm not talking about missing schools. I'm talking about you don't know for children whose cognitively are still developing, their bodies are still developing, getting this contagious virus, we don't even know yet fully in adults the full effects of long-term effects. So to merely focus on, well, we should reopen schools because less people are going to die, less children will die than car accidents. Well, sure. I mean, technically, although we don't know yet if more children will start dying, but it's not just about death. It's about if you're, if, if, you're, if you're worried about the long-term effects to children losing their socialization, not being in school, development, whatever, well, are you, you know, Dr. Greenwald and others, do, do you know what the long-term effects are of them to physically or mentally of having COVID? Your thoughts? Well, one in 10 kids, uh, according to a recent study, one in 10 um, have some lasting symptom from COVID that lasts five weeks beyond. That's what we would call, I guess, long COVID. Um, it's not really understood. As you were saying, we don't really understand it fully. Uh, the, we just kind of know it's bad and it, it's uh, avoidable. Like, 
look, we're passing an infrastructure bill right now. We're, we're worrying about this, you know, this major infrastructure bill. Why aren't people like up in arms about the fact that it's not going to pour money into like making virtual learning more viable? Like I, I get it. Like the push, the push to reopen schools is like overwhelmingly from white parents. It's overwhelmingly white parents. And that's, it's, that's a hard thing to like get past <laughs> because it's kind of like, kind of feels a little bit like, okay, you need your me time. I get it. You know, it's hard. It's hard to, to, to have kids around all the time. I get it. But throwing your kids into a Petri dish just doesn't seem like the right answer, right? Like it's hard to, it's hard to grapple with, with the fact that it's, it's coming from primarily more affluent families and you know, they're the ones who are used to being okay. If something goes wrong, the tangible difference in policy between looking at our, at, at, you know, this country versus a country that had a unified federal, you know, national response. I don't want to say federal, they don't have a federal system, but uh, you know, a unified national response where the, the government stepped in and said, we're going to make sure that people we're going to pay people to stay home. They haven't done it perfectly. You know, they, the inequality has, has also grown in Sweden. That's not good. Or it's not, sorry, it's not Sweden, New Zealand. That's, but it, that's not good. But Overall, their pandemic response is so much better than ours. They have avoided mass death. They've done everything they can to avoid mass death. I think that's a good thing. You know, I, I'm i a huge proponent of, of Medicare for all and stuff like that because I think it will help, you know, prevent mass death. And this is right. one of those policies. If you're against this, like, you can look and see the your you know, your alternative in action right now, what Biden is doing right now, that's the alternative. Right. And I want to show the numbers here to really just, frankly, put to bed this bullshit right wing, but more people die in car accidents. Colin, if you could put this up, Um, this is just, I mean, it wasn't hard to find this, but uh, when, when people have said, well, more people die in car accidents per year uh, than children dying. Or some people have made the argument more people die in, of car accidents than just period. People die of COVID. One year. <laughs> that's car crash deaths. That's that uh, 2020 was, I think, 38,000 car accident deaths in the U.S. Here's one week. This was the last seven days, nine over 9,000 deaths. I failed math, Walker, but I think if in one, if in seven days. But Jordan, the blue block is bigger than the red block. But that's one year. This is one week. And then you have one month. Oh, my God. This is one month. 36,000 deaths from COVID. One year of car accidents. So, first of all, by the way, this right, this car accident thing. It's a right-wing argument they use after mass shootings, by the way. So it's, a, it's an argument that that Glenn knows is bullshit because a year ago he was explaining to someone why it was bullshit. Like, come on. Well, he would say that's well, that was before there was a vaccine. Okay, but well, the well, thing well, is, but but hang on, hang on. The the, the conditions that he, the, you know, the re, the problems with the argument he, that he lays out that COVID grows sort of ex, you know. 
that hasn't changed. That shit hasn't changed. Yeah, the, we have the vaccine now, but we're still seeing a wave that's that's comparable or worse than than the wave dur- during over the winter. Like this is this is bad. We're we're seeing we're still in the darkest days. The Louisiana hospitals are still seeing the darkest days. That was a headline like three weeks ago. I mean, the you know they it's it's just. People are dying all over this country from this very preventable, you know, virus. Right. We're not doing anything to stop it. I also want to point out, and this isn't specific to Glenn, but he wrote it, uh, but this is a widespread thought. Uh, He said, you know, I really don't understand what what you think gives you the right to impose your own irrational judgments about safety and risks on other people's children. Well, you're doing that. Yeah. So in his view, and by the way, again, it's not, I mean, I respect the journalism Glenn has done. I don't respect some of the things he's been tweeting recently, but uh, I, he's saying, who are you? This was to Walker and, and me on Twitter. Who are you to impose your irrational judgments about safety and risks on other people's children? Oh, well, yeah. first of all, right. King rationality, King. It's it's your opinion that we're being irrational, just like it's our opinion you're being reckless. But you're telling others not to impose their judgments on other people's childrens. But you're saying because in your judgment, the risk to children's development of not being in person in school is worth sending them back now in a contagion box. That would be you imposing, whether it's rational or not, your judgments on other people's children. And by the way, it's not so simple as, as uh, I don't know if he pointed this out, but other people said this. Well, if you're scared, keep your children at home. Well, for a lot, most Americans, it's not so simple, right? Yep. So if you keep your kids at home, where's the childcare? A lot of schools to- aren't even offering remote options anymore. Like th- this is, it's, it's great. It, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. To me, it doesn't. Our, our pandemic response doesn't make sense. And you have we're trying to balance sort of this this extremist individual uh, perspective, like like viewpoint, I guess, that exists out there that policymakers think is so dominant against policies that actually, when you pull Americans, aren't unpopular. I don't like I don't I don't. Sorry. I have a cat in the room and uh, just knocked something over. So that's what that was. So everything is okay. Gene, Gene said that that was a completely confusing run on sentence. Say again, please. So again, I'm not trying to make this about Glenn, but he tweeted out, who are you? Meaning who am I? And Walker, because he was in that thread to impose our quote, irrational judgments on risks to children onto other people's children. So I was pointing at meaning who are you to tell other parents keep, you know, close the schools and affect their children's development by your own irrational judgments. So my point was, but you're doing that only the opposite way. So he might think his judgments are rational. I don't, I think they're just right-wing talking points. Dude, he he tweeted out in, in May, 2020, he tweeted, unlike car accidents or heart attacks where the death rate is stable the number of deaths increase, increases virtually every day, sometimes exponentially with no end in sight. Well, guess what? That's exactly what we're seeing right now. 
no end in sight, sometimes exponential growth. Like, yeah, this, it hasn't changed. Nothing has changed except, you know, I don't know. You, he's changed. There, there is the human element of we're burnt out. We want to go back to normal, but back then they were all part of the, we that were in this together, but suddenly uh, they're listening to anti-vaxxers who are against all vaccines, not just the COVID vaccine, many of whom, by the way, were vaccinated as children. Um, and now, you know, it's my freedom. Don't tread on me. You know, don't segregate society. I think we need to all start thinking. Obviously, this country is built on self-interest. Capitalism is basically about I'm going to get I'll get mine. You know, good luck to you. But when it's called life or death. Yeah, you're it's not really your freedom. You're not. It's not freedom means fr uh, individual freedom, but you're taking you're threatening other people's freedom, as we've discussed, Walker. Yeah. And look, there are a lot of people in this country who can't get vaccinated for medical reasons. Um, and we put them at risk when we don't when other with the people who can get vaccinated, including many residents I know in Flint, Michigan. Yeah. Don't don't get vaccinations when. Or the people, or people who get vaccinated and they they don't, you know, the the vaccines don't take or whatever. They they don't get the full benefit of the vaccine. Every it's on everyone else to make sure that life is livable for those people and that they're not at risk just in their day to day. This is just basic. We live in a society. It is we live in a society. It is not every man for himself. And like that's that mentality doesn't work. It creates a disorganized, dis, you know, pandemic response where every state is a different set of rules and there's no coordination. Hundreds <clears throat> of thousands of people are dying in the span of a year. Like, that's crazy. That is just, it. it's absolutely, it's infuriating. Colin, put up that chart one more time so we could really just put this into smack it in the face of these people. That's how many people died of a car accident last year. 38,000. So many COVID deaths the last seven days. So if you don't know the numbers, 38,000 on the blue, this is over 9,000. So that's one week. Then take it to the other graph, Colin. One month. That would be 36,000. So one month is almost at the one-year death count for car accidents. Secondly, just common sense. I don't even understand why I have to say this because a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist would understand this. Car accidents are not contagious. They're confined to the one driver, the two drivers, the multi-car pileup. That's it. They don't, it's not, you know, somebody I read somewhere said this would be like equating it to like, there's a chip in one car that like the government or someone evil is, you know, pulling to lead you to death that it then through the car's, digital system is spreading it to other cars, which is obviously yep. technically could happen, I guess. But the truth is, Walker, if for whatever reason there was this explosion in car accidents to the point where hospitals are being overrun with we car accidents, I think we'd probably do something. <laughs> yeah. And I there are comments on this was I went to visit. I got in a car accident last week and my grandma came to visit and then she caught the accident. <laughs> it doesn't. Like, oh, God, it's just it's a stupid argument. It really is. And not to, you know, look, we're at this point. I just it's, I, it's I don't not care. just stupid, Walker. 
it's let's it's, just call it what it is. It's dangerous. Oh, I don't want to speak for it. I'll let you say it. But Florida, from what I've read, is worse than many countries right now in terms of COVID. Uh, children are in pediatric wards getting filled up. And I mean, new numbers that came out uh, today. Um, I'm trying to find it that the vaccine, um, the effectiveness it, specifically for older people is now dipping between uh, around 80% effective rather than 90% effective. Well, those older people are living in Florida for, you know, in, in large part. So I wanted to ask you, you we're talking about irresponsible government. You have a governor that I didn't know is possible, seems more extreme than even Trump. And while your hospitals are overrun, he's at New Jersey uh, giving, you know, favors to white donors this weekend. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I was just listening to what Walker was saying about that the only reason to keep everything open is just for commerce. But here's the thing, I have another reason for you. So what you're watching, I think when we're watching Ron DeSantis, it's like watching a masterclass in political strategy, because really what he's doing, I think, is trying to lure away Trump supporters, because the reality is he's not going to please the people on the left here. He's not going to please the Democrat. He is no, and he's not running right now for 22. He already has that in the bag. He's running for 24. And I think that to him, a lot of what his strategy is, isn't about the policy. It isn't about anything. It isn't even about the money. It's about playing this game to one, keep himself very relevant and to woo some of the, the, the Trump people that are still lingering with Trump in the Trump camp. And he can do that by this kind of nonsense, by threatening to, you know, hold back their teachers and school board members money and all of these things. It's, it's just posturing. Um, and so I think he's political strategizing. Well, I'm not a Florida strategist, but I don't know if he has it in the bag in 2022, if he kills off half of Florida. If you saw who the Democrats the have, you would, you would, you would, he, he's not, by the time that comes around, he'll be, he'll be fine. Like it'll all be water under the bridge. I'm there is nobody in Florida in 22 that's going to win against him. Nobody right now. It's unfortunate. Well, I don't want to make this about Florida politics, yeah. but the truth is, it there's nothing being put in place in Florida to think that it would be totally or significantly better by fall of next year. We're heading into colder weather. I know that doesn't really apply to Florida, but. <laughs> Nationwide, you're going to see cases go up. Uh, I know you have local school districts, you know, that it, they just ruled in their favor. The Florida courts that they can issue mass mandates, but, you know, we don't know what DeSantos is going to be pushing at this point. So, I mean, we can't predict six months from now, let alone a year from right. now, but I'm not sure it's going to get dramatically better in Florida because in six months, it could be Lambda, it could be Theta, it could be... But I mean, he'll change, know. he'll change whatever his position is to suit whatever he needs to do at any given moment. And six months from now, he could be singing something completely different and they'll sweep this under the rug. It's right. just a game. Like there's no, it, it, this is like Trump. There's no real personal position. There's no real caring about policy. It's all just how to sort of present yourself to who you need to at any given moment. That's what it seems like to me. He certainly isn't doing it out of welfare and he isn't even doing it out of civil liberties so you know it's to me it's just self-serving i don't know i mean politically walker trump mismanaging it is the reason he lost i mean without a pandemic i think biden would have lost by a lot do you mm -hmm. think somebody like 
DeSantis is this is smart politics? So I think I think DeSantis has made a calculation that he thinks that this is smart politics, that, you know, the numbers in Florida will reflect on some, you know, not necessarily reflect on him, but may reflect on Biden because he's the president. And that's where, you know, the buck stops here. It's it's hard to say he's he there's. But what isn't difficult is to say that he is unleashing like biological warfare on his own population like that's i mean not to be hyperbolic but he's letting this virus spread and doing everything he can to prevent uh mitigation measures that is that's like really brazen and he's wrapping it he's getting away with it among his base because he's wrapping it in this language of you know liberty it's pers- it's our freedom it's we appreciate freedom here we're you're free, the only freedom you have in a state where your employer can call you into an unsafe workspace is the freedom to die for someone else's pocketbook. That's it. It's not. It's not. You're, you know. You're not. You're not more. Uh, I guess of a man or more like whatever. You're. You're not a better American for it. You're just. You're just dying for someone else to make money off of you. You're expendable. You're. A, you're a piece of. You know of machinery that they can switch out with someone else who desperately needs the money and doesn't have the, the, you know, safety net or backing of, uh, to, to, to refuse that, that job. It's a cruel, brutal system. It has got to stop. We need a federal response to come in in a, in, in no world should DeSantis be able to do what he's doing at this point. You know, the federal government should be intervening in Florida should be locking the state down. If need be, send in the National Guard, lock the state down, pay people to stay home, and and be done with it. I think the bottom line is people need to separate uh, government, you know, uh, big government and evil government and not trusting government with, like, contagion. Because at this point, Jen, I mean, yeah, it doesn't spread as much uh, outside, but you did see with spring break in Florida last year, you got people crap, uh, crammed on each other at beaches. It spread. Oh so- no, I live in, I live, I don't leave. I haven't, the only time I leave my house is to get into my car in my garage, drive my son to carpool and pick him up. Like I don't, I don't leave. I call it the fishbowl. Um, and I, I have no intention on doing that. Because uh, to it- me, I don't really understand right now with the numbers in Florida, why restaurants you'd be able to go in. Why is it different than, you know, in the early pandemic, most places you had curbside pickup, those kind of things. Th- I mean, the numbers are skyrocketing up. I understand Maybe what you're saying. Maybe they'll shut it down. Maybe they will. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I I don't know. But this is what it took last time. We were one of the last states to kind of like close things at all in the first place. So, um I don't know. I mean, maybe it will. Maybe they will. But now, of course, I just saw in the news today that this is the first day where there hasn't been an increase in the death toll. So they're kind of like trying to play up the the numbers. But I don't know. But I know everything is open here. I, like I said, I don't go. <laughs> but, but everything is open. And yeah, you have a lot of people. And it's about masks is about half and half in the right. in the universe here. Yeah. Well, but I people, also people may survive, you know, that like, you may you may very well like you could theoretically be somebody who goes and lives your life normally you don't get the virus and you make it through but there are 
literally hundreds of thousands of people in this country who have died from it already. And, and, you know, more who will die in the next three months, they're expecting a hundred thousand deaths. That's, that's not, that is not any one person's uh, decision to make for someone else. You cannot make the decision whether somebody else lives or dies. That is not your call. So if you have to, you have to sacrifice a little bit, your daily routine, you know, you don't get to go out. You don't get to go to your favorite bar at the end of the day. Okay. You know what? If it keeps, if it keeps your neighbor alive, that's a good thing. And that's a sacrifice. That's a sacrifice we should all be willing to make.